0: Today is the first uh, Sunday, almost at Advent, first Sunday of, of Lent, and I want to invite you to, to come on a, a journey with me. But before we, we get into the message, or as we get into the message, I want you to watch this video.
1: Sam. I know. It's all wrong. By rights, we shouldn't even be here. But we are. It's like in the great stories, Mr. Frodo the ones that really mattered. Full of darkness and danger they were. And sometimes you didn't want to know the end. Because how could the end be happy? How could the world go back to the way it was when so much bad had happened? Victory! Victory! But in the end, it's only a passing thing. The shadow. Even darkness must pass. A new day will come. And when the sun shines, it'll shine out the clearer. Those were the stories that stayed with you. That meant something. Even if you were too small to understand why. But I think, Mr. Frodo, I do understand. I know now. Folk in those stories had lots of chances of turning back, only they didn't. They kept going. Because they were holding on to something. What are we holding on to, Sam? But there's some good in this world, Mr. Frodo. And it's worth fighting for.
0: Again, I want to invite you to come on a a journey with me. The series is A Journey of Repentance. And and that, for those of you who don't know, was Lord of the Rings. It's from the clip, uh, the, The Two Towers. Frodo and and Sam, they discovered that the greatest journeys are never easy. So did Alice when she fell into Wonderland, or Dorothy in Oz. All of the heroes of Narnia or Tarin of Tarin the Wanderer. And so have you and I. You see, of all the things that you and I value, I'm willing to bet that none of them were ever handed to us just simply on a silver platter. None of them came without cost without effort or without fight or even without sacrifice. And the journeys that we remember, the ones that shape us, are the ones where we faced obstacles, but we overcame them. Where the path was difficult, but we kept on going. Where we were very often times tempted to quit, but we mustered the ability to carry on. Back in November of 2022, about a year and a half ago, James and I, we went on a cruise. It was a 14-day cruise. And Carnival, the cruise line that we usually travel with, they actually call some of their extended cruises, they call them Journeys. And so James and I, we went on a journey, and our journey took us from here all the way over to London. And what we had to do was on on Thursday evening, we boarded a plane that took us from here up to Seattle. From Seattle, we flew overnight. We caught the red eye over into London. We landed in London, and, and we had the, the, these whole things all figured out and stuff like that. We were, we were going to get off of the plane and, and get our luggage and, and get onto uh, the Underground. The Underground is their subway train system. And, and there was a, t- a subway station right there at the airport. And we get off, and lo and behold, it was closed. What are we going to do now? And they they kind of said, well, you can go to another one. And we couldn't really figure out how to get that way. So we jumped in a taxi. The taxi was going to take us to our hotel. Let me tell you, that was a mistake. It was super expensive, the taxi. We get to our hotel, and and we kind of get checked in. And we said, well, we got a little bit of time. And we wanted to to figure out how to make our way around London. So we, we left the hotel, and we went down to the underground station, the subway station that was right there, which is actually not underground where we were at. Um, the underground station, and we're kind of looking at it. We must have looked lost because one of the guys there came up to us and said, hey, do you guys need some help? And we told him, well, we want to just go check something out where you suggest where to go. And, and they have this map, kind of like we do here. They have this map there, and there's all these different colored lines of underground stations go to. And he suggested we go to one place. So we said, okay, and we, we figured out how to use. You can use your credit card or they have a card, and you just kind of swipe it, and it lets you in, and it knows where you swipe to get out and how much to charge you. And so we went, and we spent the evening kind of just roaming around a mall and uh, get, getting something to eat, and then we went back to the hotel and spent the night. Well, Saturday, Saturday was going to be a great day. You see, James, you, he had actually—you're laughing already, I haven't even told you yet. He had actually got tickets so we could go watch an EPL English Premier League game. It was a soccer game. Chelsea is right there. And so so Saturday morning we get up and I'm all excited. We're going to get to go watch soccer game, an English premier soccer game that Chelsea is playing. And so we get on the, the underground, we figure out how it's going to get us there and we get there and it, it's much like it is here where the... Soccer stadium, they call call it the pitch, the field. The the soccer stadium is right in the middle of a community. There's houses and things there, and it's right in the middle of it. And when we get there and we we walk up and we find the stadium, everything, and there's really no one around. And we we know we're early. We we plan on getting there early. We got there early, and we're looking around going, Well, this is kind of strange. I mean, they don't have a whole lot going on. And we turn around, there's this great big sign that says that the soccer game is in 24 hours and something. It's been moved to Sunday. So we're there, and, we, and stuff like that. They actually let us go into the stadium. They have these tours that you can take on the stadium. They wouldn't let us in on the pitch. But we went to the stadium, we were able to go around, and we waited long enough, and I was able to go into They have a fan shop there, and I was able to go in. And, and I bought way too much paraphernalia, different uh, items and stuff like that, jerseys and other things. And we did that. And we said, well, what are we going to do? How do, we, how do we do something for this day, which is kind of a little bit of a bust? And we said, we're going to go into London. We get back on the underground. We make our way all the way into downtown London. We, we pop up out of the underground. We walk up and Big Ben is right there. We saw the Parliament building. We went over and saw where, where the uh, king and, and, and stuff, where they all stay. We, we walked around. We saw some other things. We saw the London Bridge, which is not what we think of. The London Bridge really is nothing. It's the Tower Bridge. When you see something and they say, London Bridge, you're actually looking at the Tower Bridge. And we went up and walked all these stairs up to the Tower Bridge and, and back down. And we went around and we rode on that, that great big Ferris wheel thing that you see. And when it's up in the air, it is way up there. And, and we just had a good time hanging out there and stuff like that. We, we finally made our way back through buses and underground back to our hotel room. We spent the night there. We get up Sunday morning, and we have to make our way to the bus station, which is in London. So we decide we're going to take our luggage with us and get on the underground. So we get all of our luggage together, and, and two guys, right, two American guys getting on this, this underground with all their luggage and things, and a little bit awkward, it must have looked. And we get there and, and up, and, and where the underground stopped was a little ways from where uh, the bus station was. So we're having to walk, and it's raining. We're walking through the rain and getting a little bit wet. We get to the bus station. We get all checked in and stuff to ride the bus. The bus takes us from London all the way down to Southampton. We're boarding the ship in Southampton. We get to Southampton. It's the very this cruise ship is a brand new cruise ship. We are the very first passengers. There were a few glitches and a little bit of trying to get in there, and and things didn't go real smoothly, but it was okay. We get on, and the the ship takes off. The ship is the celebration, and we're making our way from London over kind of towards Spain, and we have to cross the English Channel. About a day and a half, the weather, it was rough. The the sea, the the boat was rocking back and forth. It's really rough weather. So much so that some people didn't even come to dinner at night's. And James and I are sitting there, and you're sitting there, and all of a sudden, the boat kind of goes down into a little bit of a thing. It dips down, and you're grabbing your glass and your plates because some things were wanting to roll off and stuff. So it was a little bit rough. We finally make our way, and we we stop in in Spain, and we went to an island in Spain and stuff like that. And we also went to a place in Portugal. Now, get this. The island that we went to is where Cristiano Ronaldo grew up. Now, some of you may not know who that was. Cristiano Ronaldo is a famous soccer player. And they actually have a statue there with him, you know, doing the stance that he does. And they have a museum. And we got to see all that. And when we were in the different ports, James and I, our goal... Let me clarify that. James and I, my goal was to find soccer jerseys. I collect soccer jerseys from everywhere. And James, he put up with me, and and we we walked along places. We got into taxis. We did all kinds of things to find soccer jerseys. Now, I have to admit, it was a 14-day cruise. Add two days for the days we traveled, 16 days. I bought 21 jerseys. (laughs) My name is Val, and I have a problem. (laughs) Now, I have to admit, they were not all for me. I did buy some for other people. 21 jerseys on this. And so our whole goal, when we get off the the ship, the the whole journey and everything we're doing was to find soccer jerseys. We did a a lot of walking up and down stairs and hills, and we saw forts and all kinds of things. We made the stops. Finally, after the last stop, we're making our way across the Atlantic Ocean. But the ocean, it was glass. Most of the time, it was as smooth as possible, as smooth as it could be, all the way across. We get into Miami. It's, it's eight days across for us and stuff like that. We did that. We, we uh, go to, end up in Miami in the morning. We have to fly from Miami to San Diego, from San Diego back to Portland. And 16 days later, we were home. It was a journey. It was a great journey, something I will remember all of my life. Thank you, James. It was awesome. But as great as, as that journey was, and look, let me back up. I've always enjoyed going to Asia. I I don't really care about Europe and stuff like that. I've had a taste of it. I would be willing to go back. Willing to go back to London and places there and see some of that. But as great as that journey was, let me suggest that the only journeys of eternal significance are the journeys of our souls. The journeys where the obstacles that we face are overcome by God. Where we find the will to keep at the difficult path because of the encouragement of God and where we never quit because of the promise of God. And what if I were to suggest that this period of Lent, this time of Lent that we're going through, it's just such a journey. And that the reward, it's far beyond what you could ever imagine here at the start as we start this journey. What if it was the journey of a life, a life abundant and and full, empowered, holy, untamed life? Would you want to come along with me on this journey? Would you still want to come if I next told you that it could possibly cost you everything? Or more accurately stated, Jesus said that it would cost you everything. It's the pearl of great price It is the journey of a lifetime. In fact, it is a journey of eternity. And it will be worth it. Now, some of you, you may not be real familiar with this whole season of Lent. In the church year, in the church calendar, there are two major seasons or two major pinnacles or two major climaxes. There are Christmas, where we celebrate the incarnation of God in the form of Jesus Christ. You know, Emmanuel, Jesus with us. And then there's the season of Easter, where we celebrate the atoning death of Jesus and the victory of resurrection. Advent is a season that prepares us for Christmas. It lasts four weeks long. Lent is the season that prepares us for Easter, resurrection Sunday. And it lasts about six weeks long. Lent actually began Wednesday that just passed, about four days ago, five days ago, with Ash Wednesday, and it continues all the way until Resurrection Sunday. And there are some people, and I've done this in the past, that for Lent season, you, you, you give something up. You try to do something. And Lent is a time, uh, looked at as a lot of time, of uh, penance and, and giving things up and, and reflecting and stuff like that. Lent is meant to be a time of repentance. It's a solemn season, in which we are encouraged to to delve even deeper into the meaning of Jesus' death and his resurrection, where we are invited on a journey to dig deep into our souls and allow the Spirit of God to search us and to lead us in repentance. It is a time of recognizing our sin and allowing God to cut out all of that evil that is within us and purify us from all unrighteousness. It's not an easy journey. A few weeks ago as I was preparing and in the time of prayer, I felt like God was saying that, you know, we might be pretty good at confession. You know, we really have no idea though about repentance. We're kind of used to admitting, at least before God, that we have sinned and we kind of ask Him for forgiveness. That part is kind of familiar with us. That is the confession. But repentance Repentance is something more. Repentance is more than merely acknowledging that a wrong has been done. Repentance, it digs much deeper. It gets down to the level of self-examination of what the the cause of that sin might be in the first place. It invites God into those real deep recesses, the, the deep places in our hearts and of our motives. Repentance is dealing with the soul cancer that causes sin. And at its completion, repentance, it is all about change. Repentance, it is the heart of the call of God for each and every one of us. All through Scripture, from the very beginning from the ver- to the very end, the call of God is that we repent. Repentance, it was the message of the men and women. In the time of the judges. It was the message to the nations of Israel and of Judah. It was the central message of all of the Old Testament prophets. You know, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, all the others. Repentance. It was even the central theme of the New Testament and of Jesus. It was the message of John. In John chapter 3, it says, In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the desert." Of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It was among some of the very first words that Jesus spoke in Mark chapter 1. The time has come, the kingdom of God is near. Repent, believe the good news. A little bit later on in his ministry, Jesus actually summed up his whole ministry with these words that are found in Luke chapter 5. He said, I have come not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Repentance, it is the heart of the very first sermon, the very first message from the church in in Acts chapter 2. Peter has just gone through and, and he's kind of spelled out this message to the people about Jesus and what they have done to him. And the people they believe in, they ask, hey, what do we need to do? And Peter replies, he says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Repentance. Repentance is a message for each and every one of us today. And in preparing for Lent, I found an article by Dean Robinson. And he describes this doctrine of repentance. He sees it Repentance as, as three steps or, or kind of three parts. First, there is conviction where sin is admitted. See, man must see himself as a lost, ruined, guilty, desperately wicked sinner without hope and without help in danger of hell and repentance. A lost sinner not only sees himself as a sinner, but he recognizes the fact that he has sinned against sin a righteous and a holy God. The message that Paul preached was repentance toward God and faith toward the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, in repentance, there is this confession of sin. The second step is contrition, and that is where sin is abhorred, where where sin is hated, where, where sin is despised. And when one sees himself as he appears before God, then he is brought to a place where there is godly sorrow, where there is true sorrow for a sin, and, and he hates it and wants to put it off altogether. In Psalm it says, for I will declare my iniquity and be sorry for my sin. Second Corinthians tells us that godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. To hate sin is to love God. In true repentance, there is not only the desire to escape the consequences of sin, but to be rid of of sin itself as a thing that is very displeasing to God. And third, the third step, or the third part, is conversion. And that is where sin is abandoned. Repentance, it involves forsaking the sin, leaving it behind. Isaiah says, let The wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return to the Lord, and he will have mercy on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Proverbs says, he who conceals his sin does not prosper. But whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Repentance is not only a heart that is broken for sin, but also a heart that is broken from sin. We must forsake whatever it is that we want to have God forgive. It should be stressed that it is not enough to simply turn away from sin. Pastor Frankie already alluded to this a little bit more. If you just turn from sin, turn from that evil, you don't fill it with something else, it just comes back. So we need to turn away from sin and we need to turn toward God. In explaining this to King Agrippa, Paul, he shares how Jesus said to him, I am sending you into all the world, to all the people, to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. So they may receive forgiveness of sin and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. And then Paul preached that they should repent and they should turn toward God and prove their repentance by their deeds. In true repentance, there is conviction, there is contrition, and there is conversion. As one turns from their sin to Christ for salvation. Salvation is deliverance of a person from the sin, not merely the sinful environment. Jesus Christ is the Savior from not only the penalty and the punishment of sin, but also from the power and the grip of sin. We don't hear very many calls to repentance today. And I wonder if maybe one of the main causes is that we have lost a biblical view of self and of sin. We prefer to concentrate on the love of God, the love that God has for us, and we neglect the fact that we only truly see the the depth of that love when we recognize how sinful we are and how unworthy we are how desperately we need to be saved. We've bought into a cheap grace that forgives without thought and without effort. We have responded in kind without giving much thought or even much effort to God and how we live our lives day to day. We have lost the, the truth of repentance because we have lost the weight and the burden of sin. And so... I would invite you to come on a Lenten journey of repentance with me, a journey which might very well save you from all the hell of sin that is there and quite possibly even in the next. It's not a journey of guilt, but of life. It's not a journey of despair, but of hope. It is not a journey of condemnation, but of forgiveness, It's not a journey to be taken lightly. It's not a journey of personal effort, but of admission and acceptance, of repentance as a gift that is given to us from God. But it is a journey that has to be done God's way. Do you ever wonder why your life is not the way that either you nor God want it to be? Or maybe why some of the, the ministries or, or some of the churches that are out there, they lack effectiveness and they lack power. I would suggest that it's because we have, for the most part, tried to deal with the sin the easy way. Surface level. You know, just confession and, and leave it there. Rather than the hard way through deep repentance and, and truly searching. Is there something deep in my life that is keeping me from moving on, from keeping the power of the Spirit to truly work? Is there something in the life of our church from the past that is stopping us, that is inhibiting us? See, God's way, it's not through self-help, you know, the encouragement to find the good in yourself, or through some cheap entertainment. God's way is through death. First, the death of Jesus on the cross, and then through our death to self. God's way is through death on a path that leads to life. See, our way, it attempts to avoid death. It attempts to deny death. And so it keeps us wrapped in the clutches of death rather than allowing us to be saved from it. And our journey begins here today at the Lord's table. And yes, Diana, we're taking communion today. There is a great and beautiful irony in all of this. You see, it is, it is a table of death. 1 Corinthians says, For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And yet it's also a table of life. As a remember that the death of Jesus, it brings us life. And so let us remember today the price at which that life comes, the death of the Son of God. Jesus Christ himself. Let us remember that it comes freely to us and then make a decision on how we are going to respond to the call of God to each and every one of us. Repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This journey I know it begins today. It actually began on Wednesday. And last week, I talked about the book that we have. And you're each welcome to take one. And I have, I have them sitting over there on the table. It's a, it's a journey that'll take you Monday through Saturday. There, there's a devotional to read. In. And it's easy to, to read over that, to just kind of gloss over it and read it real quick and be daunted. But it's meant for you to chew over. And each day, they have, like, there's a specific word, a catch word, hope, home found, whatever it is, and spend some time truly reflecting on yourself, looking at yourself. But the journey, again, it begins here today. Communion, the Lord's Supper. But where does it go from here? That's between you and God. I know I'm on my own journey through all of this. Repentance, it comes from God. But if on our part it's a decision to give God the time and the space The permission to to work within us, to, to reveal things in us, to convert us, to recreate us. And to do that, I'm asking you to make a commitment to spending time each day with God. I mean, truly spending time with him each day of Lent until we get to Easter Sunday. It's not an easy journey. But then again, nothing worthwhile ever is.